Hey there, welcome to Walking Alongside Perspectives, a combination of short monopods as well as some conversations with cool folks covering various topics based on what is going on in the world, focusing on the broader theme of perspectives. As Friedrich Nietzsche said, there are no facts, only interpretations. So let's get into it with this episode. Thanks for being here. At my last birthday, I decided, based on something I had heard a friend say about birthdays, that starting with my birthday that year, we would start celebrating a week of birthdays. So the day of and the week after, or starting a few days before, depending on what day of the week the birthday lands. I don't know that I actually got a week of birthday out of the deal, or that Daphne did either for that matter, because their birthday is a tough one, December 31st. We keep saying it'll be great when they're 18, and I'm really hoping though that it doesn't turn into a big drunk fest, and that some of the essence of the low-key vibes we've had around their birthday continues. Anyway, it was most recently Chris's birthday, and we did do a fairly good job of doing special things over the course of the week for him, and so it happened that we had one final dinner with friends the other evening. We had all ordered, but the music was just loud enough to make it difficult to have a conversation, and it turned out that one of our friends had to come up with a plan B because the restaurant was out of their first choice. In and of itself, that is not altogether surprising because it's a small place, and depending on how busy the weekend and the supper service was, that can happen. But when asked what it was they had ordered and what they were out of, it was shocking and sort of hilarious that what they were out of was rice. Rice. How are you as a restaurant ever out of rice? Out of the special Montreal smoked meat that you brought in, or the baby eggplant, or even the tofu for the vegetarian stir-fry, sure, but the rice? That was a first. It's hard to believe that something that basic would be the thing that any place would run out of, but there you have it. What was also a first, and definitely not hilarious in any way, was the reception that we have received at two recent workshops we facilitated at my day job. Now, we're used to people being voluntold to be there and to the microaggressions and the snide remarks, but it was shocking to be openly questioned as to why we were there and to prepare ourselves. This is what they actually said. Prepare yourself for little to no participation because they didn't believe that there was going to be any benefit to what we would be talking about. And this before we had even said a word. I don't know that I have ever experienced such a deliberate closing of the collective mind as that. It was sad and disheartening and indicative of just how badly in need of something, though I'm not sure what, some of us are. And all of this leading up to the weekend of the year that I hope against hope every year won't come. But come it does. The return to daylight savings time. If you haven't already surmised, I hate daylight savings time. In my opinion, and based on what I thought I knew of its origins, it does not, in modern day, serve any purpose. To be sure I got my facts straight, I did what I've been doing of late, and that is seeing what I could find from good old Mr. Google. Timeanddate.com defines daylight savings time as the practice of setting the clocks one hour ahead of standard time to make use of more sunlight in the spring, summer, and fall evenings. It was actually first lobbied for by a fellow in England by the name of William Willett. But the British Parliament never did anything with it. The reason why was news to me because, contrary to what I thought, it was not the farmers lobbying for it. It turns out that they much preferred the sunlight in the morning to collect eggs, milk the cows, etc. And with one less hour to get their chores done in the morning, they were in fact a vocal lobby group against the use of daylight savings time. 
What was even more of an interesting discovery is that it was actually a small town in Ontario, Port Arthur, now Thunder Bay, that actually first started using it. And it became so popular, although I can't even begin to understand why, that several nearby towns started doing the same thing. However, it wasn't until the First World War that it really became a global thing, when Germany, followed by the UK and the US, fully adopted it as a way to save energy to support the war effort. After the war, everyone mostly went back to regular time, yay, until World War II, when it was implemented again. However, prior to that, there were other cities in the States that had begun experimenting with it for a number of different reasons. If we go back for a moment to Mr. William Willett, his motivation for advocating for it was because he felt that it would be better to use the daylight at the end of the day for leisure, rather than to waste the daylight in the morning by sleeping through it. That was how it was originally pitched, with proponents, mostly Mr. Willett himself, going so far as to say that it was good for health and leisure. Now, even if that were in fact true, which research now bears out as not actually being the case, the real reason that daylight savings time really gained a foothold and became a thing was, not surprisingly, greed. While it was on the surface about saving energy, it was really about the fact that if the workers had more daylight after their day of toil was over, they would more likely go out to do more shopping. And in fact, that same argument is the reason that years later, when the date at which we would normally, mercifully, have returned to standard time, was pushed back several weeks, until after Halloween in fact, so that the candy manufacturers could have one more kick at the proverbial money-making can. You can thank one of the Georges Bush for that. Or the lobbyists. Take your pick. In any event, it was about making money, not saving money, that in the end seems to have cemented, at least for most nations, the idea that daylight savings time is a good thing. If you are a parent, the idea of messing with your kids' bedtimes is something out of the book of horrors. At least for us it was, because Daphne was never, and continues not to be, a good sleeper. I guess that's not entirely true because if they could go to bed when they wanted and wake up when they wanted, it would likely never have been an issue. But since the world doesn't work that way, going to bed and falling asleep when it should happen so that waking up isn't a nightmare has always been, shall we say, a nightmare. So when you add the extra fun times of having to change that already tenuous bedtime routine twice a year, it is for those who can relate, supremely unpleasant. And if you are a creature of habit, and who really among us is not, then the idea of having to adjust sleep time can also be trying and especially if you work shift work. One of the things that we talk about at work in terms of sleep hygiene is finding and sticking to a sleep schedule. So why would you go and mess with that for really no good reason? I honestly can't wait to fall back simply because it means I might feel a little bit less tired despite having a good sleep-wake schedule throughout the year. No matter how I try to go to bed earlier or let myself sleep longer than the clock says on that most heinous of weekends, I just can't seem to shake that drowsy feeling that accompanies that springing forward for the entirety of daylight savings time. And that's a long time to feel sleepy, especially when a person is supposed to be enjoying the sunshine that we now allegedly have an extra hour of. It seems like a real burn to want to go to bed all the time. Of course, that might also have to do with the sleep debt that has never fully been repaid as a result of becoming a parent in the first place. But I also don't truly recall that my younger self was ever really stoked about the time change either. And as a person living in Edmonton, and honestly even for those living in Calgary where there is a slight but noticeable difference in when it gets dark compared to here, we already have daylight for a ridiculously long time in the summer. So why do we need to be even more gluttonous about it? And for the number of weeks that that time change actually makes a discernible difference, and I'm talking like two max, what is even the point? 
and without daylight savings time, the Canada Day fireworks wouldn't have to be so late, and movies in the park could start earlier so perhaps more families could attend, and drive-ins would become even more popular again because seriously, how fun are those? When you don't have to be up till some dumb time because it's too damn light outside. I just, I don't understand. And the farther north you go, the more this holds true. There is really no logical reason this has to continue to be a thing. There was a so-called vote on this when Jason Kenney was the premier, but it was so wonkily worded that I don't think people really knew what they were voting for or against. Leave it to that guy to screw up a vote where a simple keep it or scrap it would have done the job. Because even Saskatchewan, the province that everyone loves to mock, although I'm not really sure why, wisely determined at some point that daylight savings time was maybe pointless or I don't actually know why they changed it, but they did. And now they just stick with the same time year round and nothing catastrophic seems to have happened. In fact, if the research done around the bad things that result because of our losing an hour of sleep bear out, they are probably doing much better than the rest of us. In fact, in 2019, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine called for the abolishment of daylight savings time. And here's why. The things that can affect our health after daylight savings time kicks in for the year include increased risk of heart attacks in the first three days after the switch, increased risk of traffic accidents the Monday following the daylight savings time switch attributed to tiredness, increased risk of workplace accidents on that same Monday, assuming you made it to work having avoided a traffic accident, and the workplace accidents that take place are more severe than those on other Mondays. And if that weren't enough, there has even been a link found between an increased risk of miscarriage in women undergoing in vitro treatments. It has been linked to an increase in depression after the switch back to standard time, as well as increased risk of other mental health conditions, including bipolar disorder and seasonal affective disorder once daylight savings time kicks in. And it has also been linked to increased suicides in men, both after the daylight savings time switch and the switch back to standard time. In a population that already has a significantly increased risk of suicide, that in and of itself seems to be a good reason to abolish the switch at all. Considering the majority of the rationale for keeping daylight savings time alive and kicking are linked to money, looking at the costs associated with all of those things just mentioned, one would think should trigger a sober review of why we're continuing to do a thing just because we've always done it. When I was reviewing the different sites that considered the pros and cons of daylight savings time, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention the pros, other than the allegedly financial one, which is not actually supported by the data. And that is that children who are more likely to be playing outside are less likely to be hit by cars because they are more visible. But honestly, going back to the bedtime thing for a moment, bedtime is supposed to be bedtime, so the kids likely aren't staying up till 10 playing at the park. Is them being outside for some extra running around time a good thing? Of course it is. Is them not getting hit by a car a good thing? Of course it is. However, the closer to the equator you are, the less daylight hours you will have, which was a total surprise to us when we were in Hawaii and it was getting dark around seven o'clock. Though honestly, I thought it was kind of cool. It was still warm and wonderful outside and we could watch the sunset and bedtime wasn't a fight. I mean, not really, because it was dark out. In the winter, the sun sets in Hawaii around 6.30 p.m. And guess what? They haven't had daylight savings time since 1945, and I'm sure they're all happier for it. The sun in Hawaii also rises about 11 hours earlier, so even in the winter, they are still getting 11 to 12 hours of sunshine. So clearly, there anyway, daylight savings time nets you pretty much nothing. Oh, right, I was actually talking about the pros of daylight savings time. Yeah, that was it. Being seen because it's light outside. So back to the cons. There is a cost associated with having to switch the clocks back and forth. 
It's an actual cost. And then there's the cost of having tired workers, which can't be precisely measured. And while that does obviously fade with time, it's still a cost. So at a time when there is a war raging in the Ukraine, is that really what we want to think about every time we have to turn the clocks ahead? That it's to save money to support a war effort? I know that while in the grand scheme of all the things that governments could do to make a positive difference for the people, getting rid of daylight savings time seems rather insignificant. But what is the argument for continuing with something that really has no discernible benefit? Interestingly, back in the early days of daylight savings time, it was a giant mess of who did and who didn't follow it, and when and where they should do it, and how long, how many weeks, and it was years for everybody to get on the same page, or perhaps more accurately, the same clock. So arguably, it was even worse for some folks prior to the standardization that we are now so familiar with. Because obviously, if everyone and their dog was on a different version of the time, chaos would ensue. So think how much simpler it would be And what we really need right now is a lot more things that are simple. How much simpler would it be if everyone just stuck to a single standard time? We all already agree on what it is. I can't think of a single reason to keep on with this biannual tradition other than we will need a different kind of reminder to change the batteries in our smoke detectors. My point, in case it isn't obvious, is that maybe it's time to move on from something that really has no real economic benefit, especially when weighed against the potential costs. Maybe it's an idea that has had its moment in the sunlight that lasted an hour longer, but it's time to say goodbye, auf Wiedersehen and bitte Dieu, to daylight savings time. Perhaps it's time to let the people just carry on with their days and their weekends, not worrying about how to adjust the clock on the microwave or the stove, or wonder whether they have missed the bus or were late for work because they forgot to change the clocks again. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for a topic or even better, a perspective to share, I would love to hear them and share them, ideally in a conversation with you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and throw a comment my way or share with friends. For better or for worse, we're all in this together. We have exactly one world to share, so let's make it the best one it can be. Until next time, take good care. Ciao for now.